If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. That's right. It's Monday because I'm doing pre-tapes. I told you I was doing pre-tapes, and it's going to be a fun one today. I got Chris Van Vliet on today, man. I've been wanting to talk to him forever, forever. Like, we, And it's the first time, actually, that we're actually meeting in person, on air, to actually shoot the shit a little bit more. Um, if you're not following Chris, you really should, especially if you're a wrestling fan. I mean, this guy's got so many great clips, and he gets great interviews, and you should check him out for sure. And yes, we're going to definitely talk about the aftermath of what happened when he got hit on by two famous actresses in the middle of an interview. A uh, lot, lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happening on this. But we're also going to talk about what Chris likes. You know, the movies that were, that's going on right now. We have upcoming movies. I don't know enough about him. Is he, is he looking forward to any Marvel movies? Is he looking more so into Scorsese movies? Like, what the hell is Chris Family like and what do you guys like? But before that, come on. Show a little class, will you? Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Hit the notification button. Do all that stuff. And don't forget about the podcast feed. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. That's where you need to find the big thing. All right. So with that. He needs some milk. No, we got to start the show. Let's do it. It's not a rewatch. It's the big thing. And it's me. And I'm here. And join Today on the show, what's up, man? How are you? You know, I love when you do that thing. Like, I've known you for years, right? Yeah. But then outside, we were like, it's so nice to finally meet you in person. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it's, it's been, because I think that, I don't, and I don't even know how the hell we met. I obviously do social media. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's Chris Jericho. I think uh, I think Jer- I became aware of you through Jericho. Was it through the Jericho? I know that we had because yeah. I had a ton of interviews. I mean, I interviewed Jericho. I had CM Punk on the show, and uh, when I was at Collider Live, you yeah. know, and and then yeah, maybe I guess through we were just talking about before. Uh, Steve Weintraub is a is a mutual friend, so we we run in the same circles. But you run in two different circles. Yeah, with the so you started you started with your Miami Florida guy, right? Originally Toronto. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian. I've lived in the U.S. now for 12 years. I didn't know that. It was Cleveland, and then it was Miami, and then I bought a house in Fort Lauderdale. And oh, now shit. I've been out here almost two years in L.A. Yeah, oh, so oh, you've been doing a lot of shit. So you, oh, I've been all over the place. Self-made man. I like it. I, I, like it. I don't know about that. Well, but. Dude, look, what you're doing right now, and, and it's funny because Ben Bateman is also a friend, and uh, he's really attacking TikTok, but he's, he's like... crushing. Yeah, and he's like he's like... Me and Chris, we talk about TikTok and stuff like every day. Right after this, I'm going to his place so we can talk strategy and yeah. play guitar together. He's and and he, but that's what he does, man. When he locks into something, he he like locks in whether it's yeah. Schmodown or yeah. whether it's TikTok, and he's really finding a formula. He's helping out with the Schmodown account, which has been doing really well. But so, how did you transition? Because or did you? Maybe it was always the same, but you, from movies. And being a film reporter and doing that, and then transitioning into the wrestling, how did, or did, or was it always the same? I was always passionate about wrestling, yeah. and I think that when I started working in entertainment news, and we're going way back, like fifteen years ago, yeah. entertainment is all encompassing. So I was interviewing actors and directors and comedians right. and musicians, all these different people, and wrestling was coming to town. WWE was coming to town, and I said to my boss, "Would it be okay if we had a wrestler on the show?" And she goes. Yeah, sure. We've done that before. And I'm like, oh my God, right. I'm going to get paid to talk to, talk to a wrestler. To wrestler yeah. Wow. Like this is the 
combination of both my worlds coming together here. Who was it? Who was the first? It was Bobby Lashley, 2007. Oh, nice. Okay. He was the ECW champion yes, at the time. before he lost events, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was SmackDown with ECW. It was yeah. coming to Vancouver yeah. where I was living at the time. I was hosting a show for MTV2 Canada. Awesome. So I did this interview with him, and then it was like once a year-ish, whenever wrestling was in town, I would do one of these interviews. Yeah. And instead of, you know, the, the generic wrestling interview is, all right, you guys are in town tonight. Uh, boy, that stuff looks like it hurts. <laughs> right. John right. Kenna, you know. Right. I was asking questions that I, like, genuinely wanted to know the Your answers fan. to. Yeah. Right. And I didn't care if anybody watching TV even knew what I was talking about. Right. I wanted the answers. And if we never used that on TV, it didn't matter. I yeah. had the chance to ask Jeff Hardy or Mick Foley or whoever it was these questions. So that just kind of became its own thing. Yeah. And I kind of realized with the old model of broadcasting, unless you were watching Channel 7 at exactly 4.14 p.m. Yeah. that Wednesday, you would never see the interview that we did. So I just started taking the raw interviews and putting them on my YouTube channel. I was going to say, you they let you, they let you take the footage? Well, this was 2011 what when I started doing this. Right. They didn't even know. Like, right. what's YouTube? Right, right. So I just started putting them on there as like a digital library as the idea of like, well, if you weren't living in Cleveland at the time and you couldn't see this interview, here you go. Right. Fellow wrestling fans, right. enjoy this. Smart. And that's kind of where it started to kind of take off, where yeah. like it was a lot of movie junkets. It was a lot of musician interviews. And then every once in a while... Two, three, four, five times a year, I would do an interview with a wrestler. Yeah. Now it seems very different. Now it seems like all you do is, yeah. is the wrestling stuff. And then you kind of, you know, obviously you're a movie, movie fanatic and that's why you got into it in the first place. But sure. it's less about the interviews for the junkets because I don't see you doing those as much anymore. It's yeah. more about when I see your stuff, it's whether it's TikTok on these really great interviews you'll get with, it could be Triple H or The Rock or Batista, whoever it sure. is, it pops up there. Um, and that's been your strategy for, I guess, what, the last like three, five, three to five years? Yeah, well, look, junkets have changed a lot over yes, the last two years. I mean, the whole world's changed over the last two years. So like that idea of being able to fly somewhere to meet somebody in person, it, it's just a better interaction. Yeah. Like exactly what we're doing right now right. versus the idea of opening up a Zoom window. That's well, and, and, to, and hold that thought because so that people know, Chris and I have been talking about it because I did my I did a series of interviews over the last month about digital and I had reached out to Chris to do the show and he's like, why don't we wait to do it in person? And I was like, done because I, I, I happen to agree with you very much so. But well, please. look, we live in the same city. Right, there's, that's there's why. There's no reason why I shouldn't drive a few miles to hang out with you in person. Right. And like, and we did it. You know, when I saw you out, uh, when I parked my car, like good to finally meet you right. in person, in person. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, for me, it was like I was putting up the wrestling interviews and the movie junkets on the same YouTube channel. It's Chris Van Vliet, yeah. wherever you, uh, you know, subscribe on YouTube. Right. And every time I would put a wrestling interview up, the movie fans would go, yeah, but this isn't about movies. When's the next movie interview? Yeah. And then whenever I put a wrestling interview up, or a movie interview up, the wrestling fans would say, well, when's the next wrestling interview? What's going on here? Yeah. And I started to realize that every wrestling interview was peaking. They were all getting hundreds of thousands of views. So I'm like, okay, I think we're on to something here. Yeah. I'm going to post more and more wrestling interviews. And then I think it was at the end of 2018, it was just wrestling interviews. And in 20. In 2018, I said I wanted to do 40 wrestling interviews, which would have been a ton. Yeah. Before then, I think the most I'd done was 17. Okay, shit. Then the next year, I'm like, all right, well, let's try to do 50. Like, yeah. one wrestling interview a week. Jeez. I ended up doing 100 that year. Get the fuck out. It was a big year, though. Like, yeah. that was AEW being announced. And well, I, that's what I was just going to say. You must have had a fucking field day when, I, when an AEW came out. Before yeah. AEW really clamped down and went like, hey, you got to go through us for approval first. Mm. I got all these interviews. Every time I flew to LA, it was, I got Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. 
Morris. Yeah. And like I got this great interview with Chris Jericho and Tony Khan. Like I got all of these interviews. And then once AEW started running on television, they went, okay, all of them need to come through us sure. first. The PR firm or whatever. Right, yeah. which I get it. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah. But I ended up doing 100 wrestling interviews that year. And it was like, okay, like we're on to something. Yeah. Here. Well, so when you do that and when you, because obviously when you, you have the views to show for it now, right? So like when you're like, well, when you're calling up because it's not easy for everybody when they're breaking into it unless yeah. you have these especially in the wrestling world like when you in order to get like WWE interviews is notoriously tough so yeah. is it because you've made a name for yourself people know you they trust you the wrestlers trust you when you go in there you, you, you never try to like you're not trying to out people you're not like your interviews are very honest you know if somebody happens to say something inside the interview that's that's fair game that's part of that's yeah. part of the game but when it comes to that. Is it? Well, look at my numbers. Look what look what I've done. And because now you just have a relationship, they, they approve it faster. A lot of times, these are my friends, yeah. or they're friends of friends, right. or people go like, "Hey, when am I going to be on the show?" And I'm like, "If you can reach out to your boss or your PR company and say you want to do an interview, like that would really speed this process along." Yeah. But I, I think that the numbers, at least at this point, I would hope they're starting to speak for themselves. I was invited to the Fast and Furious Nine junket without an outlet other than my YouTube channel, Great. because John Cena was there. So, like, I think that that stuff's starting to happen more. We're in a really interesting situation right now. Yeah. The old model of broadcasting is, like, it's out the door. It's changing completely, right? Yeah. The old model was you turned on the TV, and then you channel surfed, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way until you found something that you kind of didn't hate. Right. And then you kept watching it. Now you go, man, I would really love to watch a Christina Aguilera concert from 1999. It's right there. Right. It's, it's right, right there. there. Right. No, so it's, it's no longer broadcasting. It's niche casting. Yeah. And we're in this really interesting in-between phase right now where there's still that old guard, I think, in broadcasting. There is, yeah. And even if you have a big YouTube channel, a big TikTok following, I think it still takes some convincing to, like, to kind of win your way over. Oh, I, you know, I mean... I, I couldn't agree with you more there because when you remember when Mark Ellis and I started Schmoes No, we were definitely like the odd man out when it came to like the screenings that we would go to. So sure. we went to, I remember the first like official critic screening we ever went to was True Grit. Like oh, 20, yeah. 2010. Uh -huh. And we look over and like Leonard Malton sitting there like, <laughs> we, we don't, we shouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> like, we, just looking at each other. But then more and more of the studios then started to know us, but it was. And that was 2010. Yeah. So, you know, YouTube critics, like, what? Like, that's, that's what it was. And we didn't even consider I still don't consider myself a critic. I'm more of someone who just kind of watches movies, reviews yeah. movies, talks about movies. But either way, we were also the first YouTube uh, reviewers ever certified on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and that... Now, tons of people are like... Yeah, but that's big. You were the first. We were the first. No one, no one gives us credit for it, but we were the actual first. We yeah. were the actual first. I will give you credit for thank it, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. it I, I, for my own self-worth, right now, I have you, and with the channel you have, that. thank you so much. I appreciate <laughs> that. But um, what I will say, though, with that, but that whole system, and still, that was 2010. 12 years later, same type of thing, where there's this, the, the, the online, or excuse me, the print critic, or people have been doing it for a while... They don't take the YouTube reviewer serious. It's a very yeah. different game. And even the studio still. I remember, shit, three or four years ago when Disney, when I'm talking to, um, to publicists over there, and they're like, they understood. Like, Marshall Weinbaum over there is the, the best publicist that you, he just won, like, best publicist. He's the, the best publicist. And he's known that you got to go to the online people yeah. first. You got, and, and he used to have good convince like the old dogs going no, no they're like youtube uh, online no we got it we got to take the outlets like 
this is where you got to go. Because you put a video up with these guys, it gets a million views, and yeah. then it goes on TV and, and, and maybe does almost that, if not even, not even oh, close. No, if it's in a local market, not even close. Not even, no, no, not even close. close to it. Right. I think the other thing is you can really niche down. So if your expertise is comic books or Marvel films, right. Maybe you only get invited to the Marvel junkets or the DC junkets, but your fan base is eating up. Abs- right. Like they're hanging on every word from the interviews. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a you know top 10, top 20, top 30 news market, that interview is going out to everybody and it's just not hitting the same way. Yeah, so what did you do though for so WrestleMania, how that works now? Because again, st- established channel, WWE knows you. Uh, they, they obviously they get, they have press badges. You get it. You you apply for it. You get it. You go and what do you you fly out on your own dime or they fly you out? No, I fly out on my own dime. Yeah, okay. And they're it's basically they're giving people like access, kind of like they would do for like a sports Me event or something. Or, or okay, kind of like sports more like event. that. Like okay. they'll go, all right, everybody goes in this room and we'll give you access to these five people. I see. So you'll start here. You'll start here, and you kind of just go around in a circle. Who'd you interview in the, when you first got so there? So when I got the, this past weekend at WrestleMania, I was actually working. I was at WrestleCon. The convention. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So I lined up a lot of interviews. I want to do long interviews like this. This is the, That's the way right. to go. I, I want to have a full-on yeah. 40, 45-minute conversation, yeah. hour-long conversation with somebody. Yep. So Johnny Gargano's been a friend of mine for a long time. I lived in Cleveland and watched him kind of rise the ranks yeah. in the independent circuit there. So I went to his hotel room. We sat down for almost an hour. It's one of only two interviews he's done since leaving WWE. So that one just came out yesterday as we're recording this. And then I lined up another few, like I was supposed to do one with Braun Strowman there. Mm -hmm. Didn't end up happening. He goes, well, why don't you come to my house? We can do it in my house in Wisconsin. (laughs) I'm like, that sounds way better than doing it in a hotel room here. Yes. So I lined up a lot of them. And it was also me meeting a lot of these people in person. Yeah. Again, back to that, you know, theme of the show, it seems like people I've interacted with online, but I met them in person and went, okay. Let's do this in a week or two or five or whatever. And you fly out and you just go see them. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's been my whole you're thing. You're single, I assume. I, I'm, I'm not. I no. just moved in with my girlfriend. Look at you. So you're not married with kids. No. So that's the, that's, that, that's the thing. That's I got to take advantage of this while I can. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> do it now. I had never done a virtual interview before the pandemic. Right. Every interview was me flying somewhere. And a lot of piggybacking on a junket. Sure. Like a junket was taking me to LA or New York or wherever. And I would go, who do I? know that's in LA. Right. Oh, that person. And then I would line up an interview. Smart. So, I mean, so you've been, you've always been like kind of go-getter, kind of hustler as oh, a kid. My, yeah. my whole career, yeah. like my whole life. Like I've been the person that if I wanted something, got to go. Yes. Do I it. would find a way to make that happen. Where's that come from? Does that come from your parents and stuff too? Or I don't know. No, I just think for me, it's just like when I, when I see something yeah. on the horizon, I go, okay, that's going to be mine. Like I'm yeah. just, just in, like this crazy drive to make it happen. But did that, even when you were like a, a young kid, did you do that? Yeah. Sports and stuff yep. too? So baseball yeah. was my main sport. Okay. And then of what course, position? hockey. Baseball was a lot of third base, okay. catcher, pitcher when I was younger. But I played baseball till I was like 22. So when you said pitchers, that makes sense because pitchers are usually the ones who got to take the take the they're lead. In control. Yeah, they're in control. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. But hockey as well. I, yeah. I was a high school wrestler. You kicked out of Canada if you don't play hockey, right? It's best. you basically you come out of the womb wearing skates. <laughs> yeah. That's how it, that's how you get out of the womb. 100%. You skate your way out. You get out, and but, the moms are tough enough that you can handle it. <laughs> but the way I got my first job, yeah. so if we take it back here, I went to college for communication studies. Yeah. Because in high school. I loved communication studies. Our, the class that we had there, we had a little TV studio in my high school and we rotated around. You were the audio guy, then you were the VTR operator, yeah. then you were the floor director, camera person, then you were on camera. Yeah. And I'm like, I love like the ins and outs of learning all this. 
was also the vice president of my student council in high school because that was the person that got to do the morning announcements. Yeah. So it was like my own radio show every morning. Right, and your people got. Yeah. I just loved performing. Yeah. So when I went to college, I'm like, well, communication studies was fun in high school. I'm sure it'll be fun in college. And it was. Yeah. But what else, you know, the other thing that was fun in college was being a people person, yeah. like hanging out with your best friends, deciding if you wanted to go to class or not. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the cool thing. Did you always, were you pretty much on course though, as far as, because there's some people who were trying to find, you clearly knew what you wanted to do or, or, or at least in the general area yeah. of it. But did you ever kind of stray off the path? Did you, I mean, like parties. Oh yeah. yeah the whole, oh the whole my thing. gosh. Like, yes. Wondering like, Oh shit, I'm fucking up like that type of stuff. Uh, no, I never no. wondered that. Okay. I was pretty good at balancing it. Yeah, that's what I, mean. I also knew what I needed to do to get by. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest here. Communication studies isn't the hardest no. of majors. No, it's, it allows you to fuck around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember true. the Simpsons have a joke about this where there's that kicker, that punter yeah. and he kicks and breaks his leg and they go, it's okay. You can fall back on your degree and Communications. <laughs> He's like, I know, I know. His joke degree. hundred, yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody. Yeah, that's true. But so, and then you, so you graduate, you start doing, you start doing, like you said, the the, the movie stuff, working for the for television. I got to ask because I talked talk about up top. The main thing that you got all that buzz for was when Dakota and uh, and Leslie Mann are, are are hitting on you and all that stuff. And it's it was funny because I remember the argument that came up behind it. You yeah. handled it very well, but the argument came by like kind of the double. What standard. if the roles were reversed? Yeah. Right. So how did how did that? First of all, when that all went down, how did that? How, do you not like talking about this? No, of okay. course. Cool. So so when when you went in there, first of all, you didn't know that this because that thing went viral. That's that's the yes. first time because before we even spoke, that's the first time I ever heard of you. Okay. That that thing went viral and everybody started talking about yeah. it. And I remember talking. About, I don't remember if it was Collider or Schmoes, but whatever it was, and I was like. This guy handled it really well because you, you fucked around, you played around, and it was yeah. like you, you weren't, you know, I think that you handled it very well. And I honestly don't give them any shit. I think they were, they no. were, I think they were having fun. So I, yeah. I've had a few videos go viral. There was an Anne Hathaway interview that I did okay. that went viral as oh, well. Oh, right. I saw that one too. <laughs> she, when, when you, you, you said about the Catwoman thing. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 and yeah, how yeah. much weight did you lose to get into and the she, shape? And she played along. But she said, I'm not. I'm, you could tell she wasn't mad. Yes, that was a good one. It wasn't a Matt Lauer interview. No, <laughs> no. You're being glib. You're being glib, Matt. So the movie was called How to Be Single. Yes. Yes, I remember it. And it, the movie was... Okay. It was, it, was fun fair, to, it was fun. Right? It was a fun date night. My voice is getting higher. It's okay. <laughs> right. So apparently, like it, Dakota Johnson was not being an easy interview that day. Okay. And I remember the person. Uh, we, you know how junkets work. You're in mm-hmm. line to go into the hotel room. Yeah, they're over because they've answered the same questions right. a million times. So I'm like third or fourth in line, and everybody that's walking out of this room, it's it's Leslie Mann and Dakota Johnson paired, yeah. and they're all going. Phew. Good luck in there. Like, geez, it's like pulling teeth. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just go in there and have fun. And I'd prepared some really like fun, silly, interactive questions. And I got to give the show credit that I was on. Deco Drive in Miami. A really fun show on the Fox affiliate there that just wanted like fun, interactive stuff that other outlets weren't getting. You said goof around, do what you got to do. Basically. So I went in and I was going to try out pickup lines on these women and have them rate them. But I thought that'd be a really fun segment. I go in and I sit down and they just immediately start having fun. Yeah. And Leslie Mann's like, oh, hot guy over here. And like she's saying all these great things to her makeup artist off camera. And I'm just like. Before you started shooting. Yeah. Okay. And then they started rolling on yeah. it. I'm like, this is the greatest interview of my life. This right. is so much fun. And then they kept going with it. And I kept going with it. And I'm thinking to myself, I've only got like three and a half minutes here. Yeah. And you can see the person behind the camera going like two minutes left, one minute left. And I'm like, I wonder how far I can push this. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm going. 
Deco Drive's going to love this. Like yeah. Deco Drive's going to think that this is amazing. Yeah. So I just kind of kept going with it. And the reason I thought the video would do well is because, because Dakota Johnson had so much fame from Fifty Shades. Sure. People had really only seen her in that light. They really hadn't seen her being like fun. fun right. So I'm like, this, it, this video is going to crush with yeah. Dakota Johnson fans. Yeah. I posted it on a Friday. Saturday, it didn't really do that well. Sunday, not that well. Monday, everybody picked this up yeah. and it had like a million views. Yeah. And that's when it started taking off. And in fact, my news station made a news story about this. Yeah, well, a lot of people had news stories about yeah. it. That was the thing because of, like I said, it was the double standard conversation that, that started to emerge from it. But did that help your career, not help your career? Didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. And the interesting thing is, I can't remember the name, I can't remember her name, but there was that very famous woman that was sitting in the crowd at a college sports, college football game. Jen Sturger? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, of course. But yeah. no, there was another one. She was the um, girlfriend of uh, one of the players. And the announcer was like, made some sort of comment about how she was good looking. And then he got in a bunch of trouble. And then she ended up getting like reality shows and all these hosting oh, okay. gigs out of it. And I'm like, from like a three second comment that she didn't even really get involved in. And here I am. I was the main player in this. Right, right. And people just kind of went, oh, cool, like fun moment. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you, but you have it, you have it on your channel. It was fun. And Dakota Johnson apologized to me when I saw her like a year and a half later, I sat down for an interview for bad times at the El Royale. Okay. And I sat down. I like that movie by the way. Me too. Yeah. Great movie. So she was with John Hamm and I walked into the room and she kind of had this look in her eye like, Oh, she goes, Oh, did Leslie Mann and I uh, hit on you? And I'm like, yeah, but it was great. It was so much fun. She's like, on behalf of Leslie, I would like to apologize on behalf of both of us, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, please don't apologize. It was super fun. Good for her. That was that. That is fun. I mean, I, I agree. With that. I don't think necessarily. I mean, it's your experience, but I didn't. I didn't see an, an apology needed. No, and I I understand what people are saying. Yeah. Like, what if this happened? Well, Me like, too. what if The Rock was telling that joke at the Oscars instead of Chris Rock? Right. Like. Who knows? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing happens. That's, that, that's exactly. It's, it's just another day at the Oscars with bad ratings. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. Because keep staring because I ain't moving. <laughs> keep staring. I ain't moving. That's exactly what would happen. Um, anyway, so, well, that's great, man. So, a lot, a lot of stuff that you're that you're working on. At WrestleMania, that was, was uh, night one, I thought was a lot of fun. I just finished, yeah. I actually just finished night one with my daughter yesterday. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? I am married with two children. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I run the schmodown, and this thing, it takes me so long to watch it. Plus, my daughter goes to bed at like 8.45. So by the time we get like maybe 45 minutes to an hour to watch it, the thing alone is like three and a half hours. Yeah. So we were actually shooting schmodown the weekend that it, that it was uh, airing. So I didn't get to watch. I watched like, I think like one match with her when I got home on like that Saturday or Sunday. But, um, but we, finished, we finished night one, and um, night one was great. Night one was great. Yeah, I love that they've broken it up into two nights. Much better. This is my 11th WrestleMania. Yeah. And that you've went to? Yeah, that okay. I've been to. I've been to two of them. Which ones? WrestleMania 2. What? And WrestleMania 17. Oh, wow. That's yeah, a two and 17. Wow. Rock yeah. Austin. Yeah. Jeez. And, um, and that well, two is, is, I always tell the story where my dad took me, and I guess I was probably seven or eight when I went, but um, my dad took me, and it was Piper versus, because I was in Nassau Coliseum, because he split it up into three places. It yeah. was Chicago, um, L.A., and uh, New York, yeah. and it was Nassau Coliseum, and I went, and I saw Piper fi- box Mr. T. So fast forward 
years later, and my buddy Steve Simone, who used to co-host the Rod Pod with Roddy, he would go out of town. He's like, hey, do you want to co-host with Roddy while I'm out? So I used to co-host with Roddy. Oh, my god! And I used to tell, and I can't even tell you how many times on the show that I would tell Roddy, and the same conversation would happen. I'm like, yeah, I was at WrestleMania 2, and I saw you, and, he's, and he would stop. It must have been four or five times, and he'd go, you were there for that one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Rob, we talked about it last week. He's like, I have been hitting the head a few times, dude. <laughs> I love that man. He was such a sweetheart. Did you ever get a chance to, to no, meet him? He was, never. He was awesome. Dude. Yeah. He was awesome. He was such a humble, good dude. Could turn it on, drop of a hat. Mm. Like we did a whole prank on our show where I had asked him. He was, he was having a bad day. We had already set it up. My intern at the time. You, do you know JTE? Have you met JTE yet? No. Um, so I, I, I'm a, aware yeah, of him and the JTE rule. And the JTE rule. Yeah. But he, so he, he was an intern on the show at the time and a massive wrestling fan and and. and and I said to Roddy, I was like, hey, you know, because he was scheduled to be a guest on that night. I go, I want to play a prank on this guy. And I want to do a thing where he's, inter- you're gonna, he's interviewing you. And I'm going to have to ask something about they live and about like wrestling or something. We'll do like a David Schultz moment, right? And then I want you to get upset with him and just kind of like ask him to get pissed off and walk out of the room. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. So he comes in with his son. And he's having a bad day that day because I think one of his friends had passed. So Cole had said to me, I don't think he really wants to do it. And I'm like, or we'll just do the interview. Yeah. Sarati looks over at me in the middle of the interview. He looks and he goes, "Oh." And I and I knew I knew yeah. exactly what it, what he what he meant by the by the nod. Yeah. So he did it, and he goes, "My wrestling," and my wrestling. He slaps JT on the side of the head, and then he goes after him, and we kick him out. JT's like, "I don't," because Katie Sackoff was on the show too as the co-host, and like just selling it, and he is like. I, I don't I don't know what I did. I just I, 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 Christian gave me the questions. I asked the questions, <laughs> and then Roddy came back in and 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 he was oh my god. JT thought it was the coolest thing in the world because he was a Piper Mark. Yeah. You know, so oh, that's it was, amazing. It was awesome. Well, you got to go to Mania next year. It's here. I want to take my daughter. We've actually talked about it. It's just a matter of getting the tickets. It's a matter of doing all that stuff. But I want to absolutely go um, and take her at least for one of the nights for sure. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been to the new stadium. Me either. I can't wait. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a good good spot to have. It'll. How many does it seat? Great question. Let's say sixty thousand. Oh, it's so way more than that. Eighty, probably. Let's and if then d- WWE report one hundred and fifty thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what will happen. The cool thing about the, it being broken up into two nights yeah. is that it's not eight hours over one day, which it's been forever. It's like, and too, that's too much. It's it's way too much. Yeah, uh, and I love UFC, uh, but when you go to a UFC show. The undercard and the prelims and everything. It's a full day. It's yeah, it like is. eight hours yeah. of watching fights. And most people just show up for the main card because of that. Yeah, I used to go. I mean, so I was a massive. And not that I'm not anymore. It's just, again, harder for me to watch. I was a, When I was single, I was watching. I used to make, I used to make, like, when UFC really popped, when Ultimate Fighter, like 2005, mm-hmm. I mean, when it yeah. really popped. I was making a lot of money off of betting on UFC because at the time, the betting, people would bet the same way they bet on boxing. And UFC is not does does not the odds were so good for certain fights that mm. you could bet on them because if you paid attention to their you know not blindly because of the odds but if you pay attention to who was who was a really good ground fighter against the striker we, and that type of stuff Vegas wasn't doing that kind of stuff they were yeah. just thinking who the favorite was and they gave really good odds and mm. I picked up on that and I made good money I bet on Sarah against GSP. What? And made a lot of money. Well, that's What and, a stupid bet that was. Uh, it, I mean, it, it paid off. But, but it wasn't at the time. It wasn't if you watched Ultimate Fighter and you watched it. GSP was not taking him serious. And Sarah put it all on the line and knew everything that he, that he, that he wow. had. And GSP was not taking that fight serious. It was this gimmick 
that Dana White said they're going to give a shot to the to the winner of it. Yeah. And Matt Serra was the ultimate Rocky story where that dude was coming in like he was like you couldn't beat him that day. You could put you could put a seven hundred pound dude against him that day, and Matt Serra was going to win that fight, especially against GSP, who was just like, yeah, what's the next fight? He and was not impressed. He was not impressed. He was impressed after that one. But, you know, and it's funny now because Sarah and I are buddies now. Oh, wow. And because he, was, he, he is a massive movie geek. Like, massive. Like, Star Wars and Marvel and all that shit. And he found, I guess, me on Collider. Started talking about me on UFC Unfiltered. And then I reached out. And he's been on this show. And we just kind of geek out about everything. We, and we never talk about UFC. When he's on, we just talk about movies. And he's, he's a sweetheart because he's a Long Island guy. Yeah. So, but... But yeah, so anyway, wow. but but the but but you're right. I used to go to those fights. I was there when Rashad uh, lost the title to Machida. Um, I was I was actually, and then I was there when what the hell happened? I can't remember which one it was. At Machida, oh he he lost. He no, he beat uh, Shogun, but he shouldn't have won in mm. in L.A. I was at that one. Um, oh, you've been to a bunch of them. I've been to a bunch of them. I used to go all the time. I've been to like six, maybe. Yeah, I used to go I used to go quite a lot in Vegas. I would go I would go and, and when they were at the Staples Center and then just, you know, married life and all that shit kinda <laughs> it was that's what I'm telling you. Do what you gotta do now. Hearing a theme that married life uh, changes everything. It changes everything. but I do have but I do have this garage. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> And it's a beautiful it. garage. Thank you, thank you. Before we move on uh, to another topic, speaking of things that I have and Chris, was, we, we were just raving about athletic. Oh, greens. this is part of my morning routine every day. It's so good. Athletic greens is absolutely no joke. We love it here, and we've talked about it many times over. Um, ladies and gentlemen, athletic greens. Have you been listening to what I've been talking to you guys about so many different times? I've I've woke up in the morning and I'm saying to myself, I do not know. I do not know if I can take all these vitamins. I don't know if I could do all this. I, I and finally. Brett Sheridan has been raving about this, and I'm going to tell you about it now that using it every day. I started taking it because I, uh, I didn't have the time. I wanted better gut health. I wanted uh, to have more energy, optimized immune system. I hated taking pills and vitamins, so I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, wanted to see what the hype was all about, and now I did it. And Brett was not wrong. You feel better, and I wanted something that tastes good, and this stuff tastes good. Chris, you, how long have you been doing it for? Four months now. And you love it? I love it. And I think the thing that's crazy is when you look at it, it's like it's green. And I think people go, oh, that thing's going to taste disgusting. It's like fruity. Amazing. It's really good. I like it a lot. And it's got, it it contains less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. And it tastes good, as Chris was just saying. It'll support better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. And it's awesome. It's it's the one thing with the, the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best product based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Here's the cost. Less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. You're investing in all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Do it. I love it. Chris loves it. Brett loves it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash big thing. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash big thing. Take ownership over your health and pick up the daily nutritional insurance. Yeah, I love this stuff, man. It's really I good. I love it so much. It's good. Yeah. Um, so speaking of other stuff that we're, that we're loving, though, what's... Um, 
what are you watching right now? What so before I even get into that, what's 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 your genre? Are you are you a you more of a, a drama guy, thriller guy, Marvel guy, Star Wars guy? What's what's your what's your thing? I love dramas. Yeah. So if we're talking TV shows, like I'm obsessed with Ozark. Me too. I, I love Breaking Bad, and I feel like even though this isn't in the Breaking Bad world, this at is all, Breaking Bad with the family's in. Yeah. It. Yeah. And then I'm better call Saul so good. I've never watched it. This is the best time it. to be like a fan of television. Yeah. It's changed so much from the era. Like when we grew up, television was television and movies were movies. Yeah. Now with what HBO is doing, and that's obviously changed with Netflix and everything, like the, the, those two worlds are just kind of being like, they're crossing over into each other. Yep. You can throw a rock and land on something that you're interested in. Like my, my wife and I, because we'll get into these things where like, oh, what can we what can we find? Now there's so much stuff that we can find to That's watch. That's the problem. I know. We're watching, uh, uh, I got to tell you, I'm so impressed with what I just did right now before we even get into that. My glasses fell. I didn't even look. and I don't know how I caught them, but it was like a Neo thing. Wow. I don't know how I did that, Chris. I was like this. One, one arm, and I said, what did I just catch? I said, I caught my fucking glasses when they fell, but I have to, I have to acknowledge Man. it. I'll never do it again. Like, if I went to push it on the floor right now, they'd smash into a, a thousand pieces. Um, but but I, the, I am wearing this shirt, by the way, because this is the greatest movie of all time. It's a really great movie. Back to the Future is my favorite movie. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm not going to argue with that. Although the, the, the actual time travel, I'm a, I'm a time travel geek, and okay. like how like physicists really say it work about as untrue and, and it's as what's, silly as you what's get. What's the most realistic time travel movie then? I think the ones that me, uh, that I would say are re- most realistic. Now, Safety me. not guaranteed? No, you know, not, no. Um, Arrival. Okay. Very yeah, much yeah, so. Yeah, the sure. transfer of consciousness inside of mm-hmm. time period, I think, is, is very much so. Yeah. Not in the events that happen, but the idea in general, Endgame, and hear me out before I... Because... The conversation they have about Back to the Future, what physicists say is that there are tons and tons of, gal- uh, if multiverses and galaxies and all that shit are, um, I believe in it. Like, there's just, it's endless. It's endless. So yeah. if you went back and stopped yourself from doing that interview with Dakota and, and Leslie that day, yeah. it wouldn't, if now, if you checked it right now, it'd still be on your channel here. It's the same time. It's, this is a different timeline. Than another one. Now, in that timeline, you went back and stopped it. It would be completely different, mm. you know. And that's and that's what they how they explored in Endgame. That's what actual physicists say was w- what would happen. Like you would go back, you would change things. It would change things in that timeline. Like, so how many timelines are there? Infinite, <sighs> infinite. Like that's that's the whole thing. Well, like I mean, I, I think that when you start talking about that type of stuff, it just feels like that this is just some sort of a computer program that we're in right now. And people, some people think that too. I'm not going that far, but I, I, I'm not yeah. either. But I also feel like, and, and you've probably experienced this in your own life, when you start to like really want something badly, or you point the needle of your own compass towards that yeah. thing, it seems that those things in the universe start coming to you. Yeah. And I just feel like, why? Like, why else would that happen? It's the truth. If, well, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. a Mandela effect and all that stuff, too. Mandela like, effect's fascinating. It is. And it's like, I didn't even, wasn't even, I, I was aware of it, but not, I was almost Steve Zaragoza, and I was aware of it, but not so much when he, ta- when he was talking about it. And then, like, the Berenstain Bears and all that stuff, too. And some of it's probably just a matter of paying attention. A lot of, a lot of it's misremembering. A hundred percent. But also along the way, like, how come every time someone says, Luke, I'm your father, the Star Wars fans don't go, ah, ah, you know, right. that's wrong, right? right. Right. Oh, well, like life, life was like a box of chocolate. Life is like a box of chocolates is what everyone says. Right. How come Forrest Gump fans don't go, actually? Not, I know. It's actually. fascinating. It's fascinating. Like, I, I get, I, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about 
time travel and all gal- galaxies and all that kind of Me shit. Too. All, all of the time. Of things like, and the simulation. I think about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a lot. Yeah. It's like, it's, and the, well, my daughter was asking me because they were talking about, because she, she was, she's learning about Einstein and everything too. And my wife does not fathom this stuff. She's like, if, if she can't see it, it's not, she doesn't want, she's like, yeah, time travel and all that. I'm like, the, it is, we can't achieve it. Mm. It is possible though. Like with light speed and, and all that stuff with black holes. And if some they, if they tried to do it now, they'd probably destroy the whole damn world <laughs> because uh, they just don't have the power for it. And yeah. you put a fucking black hole in the middle of a, they're going to try to do something stupid like that. We'll be long gone. Or they've already done it. That's and true. This is the result of that. One hundred percent. Right. right. We've, we've, we've had we've had this conversation seven billion times. That's what I'm saying. Isn't that nuts? I know it's crazy, but um, blows my mind. It's nuts, and especially when you go to when you think of Stonehenge and all those. Uh, as far as well, how the hell that thing get there and the, the pyramids. Joe and, Rogan has this great comedy bit about the pyramids. Yeah. Where he's like, we can't explain it now. So how were they able to build it back then with right. these massive rocks that are the massive stones that were cut perfectly and dragged from a quarry that was 800 miles away right. and they were perfectly uh, north, south, east, and west. And he has this, it's a joke, but his theory is like, what if the smart people just had uh, less sex than the dumb people and the dumb people out reproduced the smart people. So right. now we are the descendants of all the dumb, dumb people. people that built the pyramids. We can't do it. Instead of the smart people who designed them. Right. It makes, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of dumb people running around. Out there, but, um, but man, yeah, Ozark, going back to what you're saying, yeah. I love it. It's so good. So good. And I, what I love what they did this year is they released the first six and, I'm, and I watch it with my wife. I'm going, great. Now we got to wait till the end of the year. It comes out like the end of this month. Yeah. It's fantastic. That was smart. Yeah, so smart. Yeah. I, I will say I've also been watching, speaking of Netflix, yeah. Selling Sunset. I don't know what that is. What it's is the that? reality show based here in Los Angeles. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm, uh, like about real estate. That was it good? Yeah, it's like uh, it, the first season was probably 10% about like the drama, 90% real estate. Yeah. Now it's like 10% about the houses they're selling and 90% about the drama. Yeah. But it's fascinating. Yeah, that's what they always do. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you get people to tune in. But that yeah. is interesting. Yeah, I'm watching that. I watched The Dropout. Oh, yeah. Which is really good. I watched that documentary, but I haven't seen the show. The, docu- the documentary, I think we started it the other day, which it, it is. It, it, I always wind up doing that. I, w- I start watching a show, and then I want to watch the documentary, like mm. right, either right afterwards or before. But, like, yeah, when you watch, and her intent, if you're watching what she was, the original intent was there. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't a scam to start. This is kind of like Firefest. Yeah. The intent yes. was there, right. and then you get caught up in the hype of it. Yeah. Same with WeWork. That documentary is fascinating. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it, that show. And, I'm, and we started watching that one too. But like, the, but this one, I and really- you're right. The intent is good. The intent is good. And then I think you get you, you get so far along, and everybody's depending on you. Yep. That you go, yeah, of course we got this. It works. It yeah. works. And beside, and not, also not to take away that she was obsessed with Steve Jobs. She wanted to be Steve Jobs. She wore the same stuff that Steve Jobs did. She changed her voice to make it more, you know, like she was, there's something wrong with her in general. But like when she started out, the intent of this idea that you don't have to get these needles and you have to just prick your, you know, prick your finger and put it like that. Great idea. But then yeah. once like I'm on like episode three or something, they say it's not working. We need to go in and tell them that our, our, the trials. And she's like, uh, no. 
<laughs> and, and, and she's like, no, let's go. I don't think in. your voice was even deep enough. Not even deep enough. Yours. And she goes in there and she goes and she does um and and she lies about it. And it's yeah. like, yeah, and that that's when that's when you've now sold your soul. And it's not about you're not mm-hmm. trying to help people anymore. Now it's about elevating yourself. And like, and it's, I think Amanda Seyfried doing a great job. She's a great, a great actress. She really is. Doing so, a good job. so if you want a little Easter egg, I'm in a film with her. Okay, way one? back. It's called Chloe. Oh, okay. with Liam Neeson. Yeah, okay. And if you go way, 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 way back, it was filmed in Toronto. The movie's set in Toronto. It's okay. an Adam McGowan film. Okay. And there's a scene where she's in a diner and she sees the Liam Neeson character for the first time. And I'm sitting right behind her in the diner. Oh, and sure. one of the IMDb photos for the film is her looking off at Liam Neeson. And there I am behind her, like eating some breakfast or something. Awesome. Yeah. yeah there's exactly. a little Easter egg for that, you. I did, I did one of those in uh, Point of Origin with Ray Liotta. Oh, wow. It was like when I first got out here, you could see it. It's, someone actually... F- fan found it and sent it to me and i think i posted it on my instagram it was i'm, I'm it's me and him and ronnie cox and I'm, i go to the bar and i'm like and I'm, i remember i'm supposed to just go, go point to like a drink and i say rum and coke <laughs> and the director was so mad but they they voice dubbed me so they didn't have to pay me yeah. <laughs> they did and well they paid me but not not as as far as a a, a speaking role and you see me and it's not my voice and it's like you remember hercules goes bananas uh-huh. it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like rum and coke <laughs> it's, it's hilarious it's hilarious I, i've been an extra in a few films yeah. I, think, I just love the energy of being on set yes yeah, it's, it's it, especially when you're younger too my first when i first got out here i was an extra in uh, almost famous, nice. Yeah, my first guy. It was nice. The first time it was my first like week in L.A. Wow. Yeah. Can I, we see you in the no, film? No, oh. I'm, in, I'm in the crowd at the okay. in, in one of the big concerts. I yeah, spent I'm, like ten sick. days on the set of the Love Guru. Oh wow! I'm in like four scenes. Did you really? Yeah, <laughs> I'm in the trailer for the Love Guru. Poor you. Well, (laughs) I feel like it might be my fault for how bad that that movie was. That was like, that almost ended his career. Well, there were, there were definitely some times when we were on the set when I think we all kind of went, I don't know if everything's going right here. Yeah. Like they were setting up shots and it was taking them like one day. I remember taking like six hours between shots. That was a really bad movie, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And it won a bunch of Razzie awards. Well-deserved. But I think that Mike Myers was having issues with the director who, that was the first film he had ever directed. Okay. I think he had directed music videos and commercials before that. Okay. So there was a day when, like, we just wrapped, like, the close-ups of this one shot. And then, you know, you just move the cameras and do the wider shot. And it took, like, six hours. And I had heard yeah. that, like, maybe he was, like, getting mad at the director, maybe for the direction of the film. Maybe so. Maybe maybe he's realizing it. And but lot, I'll take the blame. I'll yeah, take the it's blame. Just you. Yeah. You're the, you were, that'll, that'll be your nickname this point. You'll, you'll be the love guru. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the green shirt guy in the background. I'll show you the trailer after this. So you go, oh my God, you, you're in that whole scene. You're hilarious. I, I don't think I've seen that movie since it came out. Well, there's no reason. To. <laughs> yeah. except, to go, except to go back and watch. I, I'm also in Cherry with Tom Holland. So oh, really? I was being okay. quote unquote, you know, very loosely directed yeah. by the Russo brothers. Wait, so you were, were you doing that? Just because you like being on set, yeah, that was it. Yeah, because at that point with Cherry, you don't need to. You don't need to be extra. I was living in Cincinnati at the time. Okay, and it was filming in Cleveland, and I went. Well, that's only like a three and a half hour drive. I'll go up there and be on set with Tom Holland for a few days. Yeah, do you get tired? You don't seem like you get tired. Ah, what's the point? <laughs> I drink all that athletic greens. You know, <laughs> got Perfect. so much energy. Perfect, and you're just kind of walking around because for me, it's like I just I look at it. I, mean, I have to drive. I have to drive from Wyoming back here because I got a new car. So I'm going to be driving because it was a cheaper price. So okay. we got it from my, I'm driving it back. And I'll, although I st- am saying to myself, I'm going to be exhausted. I'm also saying it's going to be fun to just take that drive. Yeah. Just listen to podcasts. I will tell you, listen to your podcast. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, your interviews are really good, man. Oh, thank you, you. Well, because you, you do, I think that that's the reason I liked when I interview people. And you said something earlier that that hit home is that I don't like to ask the, the generic shit. I like I want to know and I want to talk to people about like them. And now yeah. I'm also aware that the audience wants to hear things about like so. Perfect example like when CM Punk came on Collider Live three years ago. He came on to promote his horror movie that he was doing, yep. and we were talking about it, and I knew that the stuff with SmackDown was kind of a rumor whether he was going to be on or not, and we were talking for a bit, and I said, i got to ask you, you know, because we were in the middle. I wasn't like, hey, mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to trick him. I asked him, and he said, and he, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing the SmackDown thing, and he said to me afterwards, he said, Do you, know, he said, you know why I gave that to you? I was like, why is it? You talk to me like a person. Yeah. And I was like, that's I, great. I think people forget these are conversations. It's just a conversation. Yeah. yeah. And I've never, you know, in wrestling, there's the shoot yeah, interview yeah, yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. I've never been a fan of those. And if you do them, that's great. And right. like, kudos to you. But I just want to have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. And through that conversation, I want to learn things about them. Yeah. And my hope is that the audience will also learn those same things. And I love hearing about people's journeys. Yeah. I love the one you did with Big Show when you, when he, oh, you, had, thank you. you asked him, the, the, the one I really liked a lot was when you asked him who the strongest dude was. Because he's been kind of, and I like how he, because you could tell how comfortable he was with you because after you asked him that, that question is like, I could sell the finisher. I could sell the finisher. <laughs> and, but he said Cena was the strongest guy that, yeah. that he did. Like, hands down. He just like, yeah, he cut was, me yeah. off. He was like, yeah. Cena, John Cena. Yeah. Hands down. And, and you had asked him about Brock. And Brock's a strong And Goldberg. Dude. Yeah, and he said those are real powerful dudes. Yeah. But, like, Cena, when you look at it, it makes sense, though, because Brock's, like, what, 6'3", 6'4", yeah. something like that? And Cena's only, what, 6'2"? Six, six, is he 6'2"? Six, yeah, he's a pretty big guy. Okay, but still, he doesn't. He seems smaller in comparison to those guys, which which maybe might not be true, but he just seems smaller than them. But ever, from I had uh, Freddie Stroma on recently from Peacemaker, mm. and mm-hmm. he was talking about not only how strong john is but how smart he is yeah like that goes that goes into it man it's the whole the whole thing i think john's really good at going these are the things i need to do in order to accomplish this goal and he's really good in wwe doing that he's been so good in in make a wish doing that and now he's crushing in hollywood like every third commercial is either john cena or john cena's voice right doing something yeah and it's amazing yeah and I, I talked to him the last time for Fast and Furious, yeah. and I don't know if everybody realizes this. Like, I think people think John Cena in the world of Hollywood is this new thing. He made his first movie 16 years ago. The Marine? Yeah. yeah. And he said he didn't even want to be an actor. Stone Cold Steve Austin was supposed to be the star of that movie. Oh, really? It didn't end up happening. Is that what happened? Yeah. Wow. Vince calls him last minute and goes, what, do you want to do this movie? It'll help us sell more tickets. And he's basically like, oh, if it'll help us sell more tickets, then sure, boss, I'll do this. Yes, and you asked him that. Was that the, I don't know if it was the same interview, but you asked him, because he was, he was on record talking about Dwayne Johnson saying that he should be, on, he should be around more and doing that. And yeah, then, yeah. And then he, he went back on those comments when he said, and, and to give him his credit, he said, I was wrong. Yeah, and not only did he apologize, yeah. he like gave Rock or Dwayne his yeah. flowers. He yeah. basically said, like, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the path that he blazed for me and everyone yeah. else who wants to be an actor. Same interview? Was that no, that was Bumblebee. That was Bumblebee. Yeah, so even you know like what's a so, different time. Yes, and you know what's so funny about him is that I've never been a massive... Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a massive Cena person fan. Yes. As a person, I'm a, a big fan. I've never been a big fan of him in general when it came to his, his wrestling character. And up until recently, wasn't a big fan of his acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought he was really good in Trainwreck. Mm-hmm. Thought he's really good in Trainwreck. Um, I thought he was great in Daddy's Home. Like 
He was good in those, like, yes, it was a cameo. Yes, yeah, I didn't love him in that. I thought that, that's okay. the kind of over-the-top campy shit that he was doing that I didn't love. And I, I didn't love him in um, a few movies, but he did. I didn't love him in tr- uh, Bumblebee. Sorry, I John. I did not like him in Bumblebee. Sorry, because, you, but I, that, to me, was more of a director problem than a Cena problem. Okay. Because in that movie, he seemed, if he was in the Michael Bay movies, he would have fit in just fine. But they weren't doing that for Bumblebee. They were doing something yeah. completely different. And then the other one that he did was with the uh, uh, blockers, right? Yeah, yeah. He was, fun. He was good in that. Mm-hmm. But he was almost this kind of like silly character. And I'm like, and then when, he, when they said he was going to be in the Suicide Squad, I went, eh, mm-hmm. right? He was phenomenal That's in his breakout Squad. role, for At, sure. And then Peacemaker? Yeah. Star. Like, I mean, yeah. and not only just star, mm-hmm. acting star. Like, he, he yeah. goes down levels that you're just like, oh, wait, that's what everyone's talking about. He's so good in that show. So good. And he's been so kind to me. Like, yeah. so, so kind to me. I did an interview with him in New York before WrestleMania 35. It was the only interview he did the whole yeah. weekend. So we did it at this gym where he was working out before he had a signing that day. So we're texting, like, all right, meet you at 1 o'clock. Great. So I get there at 1 o'clock. I text him. He texts me back and goes, I can't see you, and I'm not trying to be funny. And I'm like, oh, that's good. That is funny. So we do the interview, and it was supposed to be 10 minutes long. And 10 minutes into it, I go to rap, and he goes, oh, hold on, hold on a second. Grabs his phone out of his pocket, goes, we still got more time. That's and awesome. Go, oh my gosh, how much more time? He goes, just keep going, I'll let you know. So I ask him a few more questions. And then I'm like, well, John, like, you've been so, so generous with your time. He goes, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we got time for one more question. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is going, amazing. Yeah, like, thank right. you. Yeah. So the 10 minute interview ended up being like 20 plus minutes. Yeah. And then later that year, I was rewatching the interview because I was doing a list of my favorite interviews of the year. So I sent him a text. I want to read this to you. I sent him a text and just said like, hey, like the interview was so great. Like, thank you so much. And I expected him to like, give me a thumbs up or like, you got it, man. He sends me back a full text that says, Chris, you are passionate, curious, empathetic, and hardworking. All the traits needed for success in any field. Thank you for a great conversation and wishing you the best in the new year. That's awesome. What? What a a deep, see that I hear. He didn't need to do that. No, he didn't. And I always, I hear that about him. All of the time, people talk about that. My buddy worked with him on, uh, he was a producer, producer on stuff, said the same thing, said just, he's not, he's not one of those guys that just shines you on. Like, what he says, is he, he's listening, he's paying attention, and, like, he obviously know he's read your personality, and he, he's spent enough time with you that he can feel comfortable sending you that, and it's not just, he knew it would probably make your day, and, he, but, and that's like, why he did it also, yeah. He's just so, he's such a genuine person. Yeah, it seems like it. Like, him, him writing back, like, you got it, man. Would enough. Would have been great. <laughs> yeah, right. But the fact that he took the time to give such a thoughtful That's response. Yeah, and I think that speaks a lot to who he really is. How did you meet him originally? So like I've interviewed junket? him a bunch of times. Was it a junket the first time or something? Yes, yeah, okay. but then we had a mutual friend that okay. was like, hey, would you ever want to interview John Cena? And I'm like, yes, of course I'd want to interview right, John Cena. Yeah. The mutual friend uh, is named Tyler Perry. Oh, so, you I've know, heard of him. Yeah, Tyler yeah. Perry was like, hey, would you ever want an interview with John Cena? I'm like, yes, of course. Right. And then like 10 minutes later, he's like, Okay, I just uh, messaged him. You've got an interview with John Cena. Here's his phone number. Make it happen. That's awesome. Oh, well, thank you. So many questions for you now. How the hell did you get? How did you? How did you meet Tyler Perry? Tyler Perry Perry was just a lot of junket interviews. And then every time the interview would end, he was so so kind. He would just go, "Hey, like dream bigger." And I'm like, "No, like I've got a great job here. I'm doing my own thing. My YouTube channel's growing." He's like, "Yeah, that's great, but like, dream bigger. Like, what do you really want to do?" And I'm like, oh, no, 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 things are good. Everything's great. Like, I appreciate it, but thank right. you. And I would see him every handful of months because he makes so many films. And he would just, he would always take time afterwards and yeah. just go, hey, like, 
I want you to like dream bigger, think bigger. Right. And that was kind of it. And that's actually, that's one of the big reasons why I moved out here. It's awesome. I moved out here because that just kept ringing in my head. And he knows what dream, he's talking about. Dream bigger. You know who else uh, knows how to dream bigger, Chris? Who? That would be the one and only MeUndies. They, Look at those. They started, they started out as a company that was, it was a college. It was a college venture that they, were, that they were doing, and then it turned into this mega, mega thing. And I remember back in the day, this is like 2016, on Schmoes No, we started using them. And when it comes to the best movie series to binge, you guys know, one particular franchise always comes to mind. I talk about it on my show every Wednesday, except this week. Uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, ah. Star Wars, everybody. Mm-hmm. That's when I was born. You know it. And Celebration's coming up right around the corner. And you know, as I mentioned as the beginning of this thing, you know, it wasn't born so long ago, MeUndies. And MeUndies' new Star Wars collaboration. MeUndies is back with more prints featuring your favorite characters. Get ready for your next movie marathon with the softest and comfiest Star Wars collection. Um, I have been with MeUndies for a very long time. They're all, it's, it's like soft. My, and my daughter, when I, when I go in the morning, when I'm laying out all my stuff, and I have, and I have my, my outfit out for the day, my daughter's always like, all right, which ones? Oh, you got the pizza ones? You got the Star Wars ones? You got the Marvel ones? It's, they, they have so many. They have so many great. And it's just it's comfortable. It's very comfortable. I love it. Um, what a you, lovely surprise for a woman, too. You know, if you're on a first date, third date, whatever. Yeah. Pizza undies. <laughs> Star Wars undies. Okay. Again, married. Married. Uh, MeUndies loves partnering with your favorite shows and movies. And it's not the first time they've created a collection with Star Wars. The Force is strong with this one, which is why they are back with new limited edition prints. You get Lightspeed and Rebel Squadron. Match your favorite person in the galaxy or go solo. At, see what I did there? In mm. sustainably soft undies, socks, loungewear, dog, hoodie, dog hoodies, and and more in sizes, extra small to four, extra large. MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you're going to get 15% off. And undies, they're going to ship right to your door. Now, to get 15% off a first order and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash big thing. That is MeUndies.com slash big thing. you got to try these, man. They're really, really comfortable. Look at this. Star Wars is the, like branding and licensing mastermind ever it's unbelievable they started the whole thing like remember when disney paid all that money for it and everyone kind of laughed now who's laughing you know i mean i thought they got it for a steal i thought so too but they got four billion four billion dollars just four billion that they disney shits that out four four, yeah yeah, but four billion dollars with with everything that they have and for lucas that's a good deal four billion dollars right but they could (laughs) they could have sold they could he could have sold it for seven you could have sold it for ten. When you're talking that kind of money, does it really matter? Not really, because yeah. he already had a, a, a whole bunch of it anyway. You know, I remember you know. when YouTube got bought by Google for four billion dollars right. in two thousand six or whatever yeah. seven, yeah. and people went, "That's crazy." Look yeah, at them now. They make, I hear now. I think it's like they make four billion dollars every like six days now or something. Ugh. Whatever it's, it is, six days, ten so days, much whatever. Stupid money out there. <laughs> so much stupid money. Um, okay, so moving on to any movies. That you're thinking about. Uh, now, Nolan. I can't wait to see Nolan's next masterpiece. And that's the, about the Guggenheim. Right? Uh, Oppenheim. Oppenheim. Guggenheim. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's making a movie yeah. about the museum. Um, yeah, Oppenheim. Uh, he, yeah, because he's got the same, a lot of the same cast, right? Well, that's what he does, right? He, does. he, he, he does finds, well. Yeah, he finds people that are just like fit into any role. Yeah. It's oh, so good. Like he is, I think that he is one of the best directors of all time. Certainly one of the best that's working right now. I think so too. He's one of the few guys that can sell a movie on his name. There's Not so few of those. Very few. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like Tarantino. It's Spielberg. Yeah. There's, there, there, and it's him. And even Spielberg now, depending on the movie. 
right? Because it's like um, he's had he's had a few, but Big Giant didn't do yeah that well. But I mean, I think that yeah. Tarantino. There was a, there's a oh uh, um, Jordan Peele. Now, yeah, now, for sure. Jeez, you don't you, yeah. Jordan Peele is it's you're going and you're going to see his movie. I mean, he puts really good actors in there, mm-hmm. but you're going because it's a Jordan Peele movie. You know that when you leave a Jordan Peele movie, you're going to be going, what the hell just happened? How? What? Mm-hmm. What? Oh my god! Yeah, he's got kind of like that thing that Shyamalan had back in the, back in the day. Back, <laughs> yeah, yes, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. He, he's made a little bit of a comeback for himself. I mean, not. I in, haven't seen old. Should I? I have not seen it, and I've heard not great things. Yeah, I'm same. Yeah, but I think though, even though I think he got to a place now where there's not the same type of expectations that were on him. Remember, yeah, when, when, yeah. He, when he was making those movies after like, Sixth Sense, it was like everything needs to be as good as this. Yeah, and, and then he I always what, had a twist. Wasn't the next one like Lady in the Water? No, the second movie he did was Unbreakable, which I loved. Yeah, I, I love Unbreakable. I th- mm, yeah. A lot of people say it's it's hit or miss for some people, but I, I actually really love that movie. Um, I find that today more rewatchable than Sixth Sense today mm. for, for me. But the third one was Signs. Yeah, and then after I like Signs, yeah, me too. And then after Signs, Signs I actually liked more as time went on. And then it started to go downhill. He did the village. Yeah. Um, he, that 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 to me was the classic example of, we need a twist. You gotta have a twist. It's like that from um, what was it? Robot Chicken. What a twist! Sort <laughs> <laughs> of came from. So I think it's so easy to talk about like favorite movies of all time. Yeah. What's your favorite movie of like the last ten years? Because um, that's so so difficult. I mean, the first one that popped in my mind was Wolf of Wall Street. And that's 2011, yeah. though. Okay, well, this okay, well then, then we'll say the, our favorite movie of the 2010s, the yeah, 2010s. Wolf of Wall Street would probably be up there. Yeah. Um, this Such probably, a great movie. Yeah, Leo should have won the Oscar for that. Get the loot. <laughs> it's the best. That, that movie is, is hilarious and crazy and just, uh, it's, I watched it recently and it's just, it's so good. It's so it's good. so good. It's like, yeah, it's Goodfellas, but with Wall Street. I remember watching that at a screening with one other person at a yeah. press screening. And the second I walked out, this was in Miami, the person, the representative from the studio is like, so what'd you think? And I'm like, oh, wow, there's so much to digest. So I'm like, much. I liked it, but can I talk to you tomorrow? Because right. I needed to like digest it and figure it all out because there's so much. Like You've seen basically the man's entire career. Yeah, it's so much and my and i still quote it to this day the thing i use it for other for other things but when leo was asked about that movie and scorsese in general he said he's 70 years old and he's still making punk rock mm. and that's that's kind of how i refer to AEW when they're talking about like mm, AEW that's interesting is, AEW to me is punk rock supposed to you know what and it's a lot of stuff that wwe is doing but like yeah either way um loved that movie i'm trying there's so many other movies that I in, think for me, Ex head. Machina. It's a great one, too. Oh, I, I just it. love the concept of yeah. that. Yeah. Because the movie basically tells you, like, here is the thing that's going to happen. Yeah. And they even tell the characters in the, in the movie, like, this is the thing that's going to happen. And then the movie ends and you go, oh. It's exactly what they said. But did, did we pass the Turing test? Right. Right. Wow. It's a good, it's a really good movie. It's a Such really a really good, good movie. I'm trying to, it's a, there's so many other ones that I'm trying to think inside of my head that I'm going to go, oh, I wish I would have said that because <laughs> over the last like 10 years, but there's so, there's, there's, I mean, because Inception was. That's, that's 10, that's a 2010s. I yeah. think that was 2011. That was 10. So maybe Wall Street, was Wall Street 2011 or maybe, maybe 2012. 2012. So in those, in those two. We need Ben Bateman in here. I know it's true. Jeez. I mean, it's true. Inception. And Wolf of Wall Street are two that stand out right away. I love and both Leo movies, but I love 
I loved Inception. I love the one I saw it. And I love it more. And, and the score, the Hans Zimmer score, when because obviously everyone always talks about like that his track time mm-hmm. in that one is one. Of, it's it's great. And I saw him in concert, um, oh. which is and to hear that in concert is incredible. But he was at the Critics Choice Awards, and I had I said. I got to say something to Hans Zimmer. So I went up to, it was like one of my favorite nights ever because I got a chance to speak to Hans Zimmer and Julia Roberts, who as, as a kid. Wow. Yeah. Um, you ever interview her? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. you son of a bitch. I yeah. Give you, she's uh, great. She's, so, she's, she's great. I interviewed her for, uh, what was that movie with um, uh, the kid? Oh, oh the, the Kevin movie, right? The, oh, my gosh. Why can't I think of this the, right the one, now? The one where the kid's on drugs? No, the one with. Um, Which one? Oh, my gosh. The. <laughs> which which one? So he she. All right, I'll look this up. Jeez, we yeah, we truly need I Ben think Bateman. I think here. it's the one. You, well, that, well, that one we don't need Ben Bateman. You just got to give us a little more detail on it. Yeah, you, you know the, you one, the with one with the kid. The, with the kid, stepmom. You know? Is it stepmom? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know the one with the um the, the one that the, she was in the movie with on, oh, on screen. Ben is back. That's what I was talking yes. about. Yeah, I said Kevin, but Ben yeah. is back. Ben and, and Lucas, I interviewed Lucas, her for whatever his name. Is, I was thinking of Wonder actually. Oh, that movie's good. Yeah. I love that movie. Oh, that movie. I just, I think I get uh, ulterior just thinking, thinking about, about Wonder. That is it's so a, good. It's a really good and movie. And the, the kid I was thinking of is Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, Tremblay was, yeah, that was, well, that was Wonder. Yes, Tremblay that's is Wonder. Yes. The Ben is back is Lucas, uh, what's his name? Lucas uh, Hedges. He was the, di- yeah, Lucas Hedges. The director's son yes. in that movie. Yes. So anyway, so that night I went up to um, Hans Zimmer and I was like, you know, I got to tell you, like, time is one of the, Best pieces. Mm. And he was like, I've never heard that before. And I go, really? And he's like, no, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> but he was very, he, was, he wasn't being a dick. He was like yeah. super sweet about it. But like, wow. he, get, he got, he gets, he gets it all the time. Like if you, if you have ever, and I'm talking to anybody who's listening or watching, look up Hans Zimmer time live in concert. Mm. It's, it is, it's awesome. I have a very similar story with John Williams. Okay. John Williams was at the Critics' Choice Awards for War Horse. So we're going back about 10 years. Yeah. And I was there, and I'm like, he's right there. I have to go say something. Yeah. And I just said, Mr. Williams, I just need to say that you're the greatest composer of our time. Not the greatest movie composer, like the greatest composer yeah. of our time. He's like, oh, thank you very much. That was the end of it. it was, that's all you need. <laughs> but that, I, was, that was what you were just talking about before, like the John Cena thing. Yeah. That was enough. That was it. That was enough. I shook his hand and walked away. Yeah, and then he turned to you and said, look, you, I can tell from you, you're very passionate. Empathetic. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> and go get it. I, yeah. I had an interview with Hans Zimmer for, like, I think it was like, it was on the, he was walking the right cover for like Kung, Poo, Kung Fu Panda 2. Yeah. And I was asking him about Interstellar, actually. Because I, uh, as the story goes, Nolan didn't really know where the script was going to go about this. And he wanted Zimmer to write some music that would help him like, kind of figure out the story. Sure. So, and I'm going to get the story wrong, so I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to yeah. botch this. Yeah. But the general idea is he said, he called up Zimmer and said, can I hire you for a day? And it's a story about a, f- a father and, their, and his daughter. And it's a story about loss. Right. And that was it. And then I'm getting goosebumps as yeah. I'm talking about this. And Hans Zimmer wrote the beautiful score. It's a great score. And then Christopher Nolan was able to like continue writing the film for me. Oh, there. that's awesome. Yeah, he, you can tell he, he writes very much so to music. And, and I, I relate to that when it comes to, like, I'm very in tune with, uh, like, scores are, like, my thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, like the other day we were talking on, um, actually, I'm trying to think. Actually, this, this might air first, does it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, no, actually, it air afterwards. We were talking about it on, on the last show with Winston and Coy about, the Jurassic Park theme. Mm. And there's that 
whole part. That's the same kind of beat from Peter Pan's We Can Fly, We Can Fly, We Can Fly. It's the same. Oh, that's interesting. And I picked that up and like I never heard that before. And I was like, if you listen to it, it's a and it makes sense because John Williams is a big Peter Pan fan that wind up doing Hook, you know, years later and all that, which is interesting that he didn't do that theme for Hook, but maybe because it was too on the nose, Mm. you know, but but you can tell there's like inspirations from it. I think the Jurassic Park theme is my favorite of all time. Of of, of his? Yeah. I mean, he's done so many. He's done so many, but yeah. Star Wars and Superman and and so many. So many, but yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's a great one. It's, and it it sets the stage and that's what these, that's why when you say he's a great composer, it's like those types of people can just set the stage and you know exactly what it is, like that epic feel. You know who's an underrated composer? Alan Silvestri. I don't know how underrated he is, oh, yeah, but, right. he, <laughs> but he's a predator is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. Such a good. Under, that's his, it's an underrated score by him. Mm. Like you talk about like Avengers theme with him back to the future. Yeah. Like, but um, no, he's, he's, he's up there. He's one. Like, there's John Williams. And yes. then everybody starts to play in like, you know, second he, John's John Williams is the goat. But then Hans Zimmer is like, Hans right Zimmer's in the conversation. Sylvester's sure. Danny Elfman's in the conversation. Like, Hans Zimmer's like a man of steel. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, normally it's like an ongoing joke in the Schmodown that if you have a scores and soundtracks question, if you don't <laughs> je- guess John Williams, you guess Hans Zimmer, right? <laughs> yeah. That's usually what happens. But there's there's so many. I mean, Jerry Goldsmith is big, but an underrated composer that not, not a lot of not a lot of people talk about is John Bryan. I don't even know who that is. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless uh, Mind, Lady Bird, um, Punch Drunk Love. Mm. Like there's a like there's he's he's done some really great stuff. What's the name of Damien Chazelle's composer? Oh shit! Now Look it up here I because will, I will. I'm fascinated by that story of like it's they're both whiplash, they're both young, like they're younger yeah, than yeah, yeah. us. He he's Justin Hurwitz. Yes. Oh my yes. god. Yeah, he's really good. And he did. Yeah, because he, he also did. And he's the like one thirty-two or something. Young, but he also did that. Scroll down one. just a little. We'll see his uh, age on the right there. Sure. Says he was born in two thousand fourteen. No, he's good. Uh, <laughs> born in eighty-five, so he's he's almost forty. Yes, yeah, so he's he yeah. is two years thirty-seven younger than me. Yeah, so he's he's La La Land, Whiplash, First, first man. man. That score, oh. that First Man score, that's that might be his best. The other stuff's well, really I, good. But the thing I love about La La Land is that do 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 do. Yeah, throughout the whole theme, it's yeah. not just the City of Stars theme. It's just that those few notes. Yeah, I like Damon Chazelle a lot. Also, Me too. by the way, he's another really. I had nice a chance guy. to be an extra in his new film. Oh, what's what's the new one? He's the got? new film's like uh, I don't even know if it has a title yet. It's based it's based in the twenties. Okay, you can look I'm it glad up he here. took some time. To do to you know because it's it's this is his first one since First Man, yeah I think so. Which is I good. bet you COVID had something to do with that. Maybe maybe, and I think it's also the fact that he but but he didn't get I, and I probably I, I bet you he was bummed too because that movie didn't get it did bombed in the theater, it didn't get the right and I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah. It didn't get the recognition that it was hoping. I think that it, it was it was talked about because it was him. It was talked about it was going to be a best picture nomination. And Scott Mann's oh my god, it's gonna happen. Um, but it didn't. But it didn't happen. Uh, and he, I think he did the right thing. Step back a little bit. Let the flash go on somebody else for a second. Step mm-hmm. back and then come back swinging because yeah. Hollywood loves a comeback. Story. Look at look at look up the yeah, uh, sure, the, the cast for this film. Yeah, I'm sure. And you'll go. Let's oh see. my gosh! I remember seeing that. so many castings for that. There he is. Definitely not going to spell his name right. But David uh, Chazelle movies. Yeah. I I got a, I saw so many castings for this. Let's see who we And got. then I was like, oh, well, who's in this? He's, yeah, he's super young. He's the same thing. He's the same age as the other dude. 30, wait till you see this. First, where is the cast? All right, so what? film up. Babylon, is yeah, that Babylon, it? Babylon, that's it. 
All right, so Babylon. Here's okay. the here's the cast for Babylon. Uh, Damon Giselle's new movie. Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, <laughs> Tobey Maguire. I mean, that's a pretty big cast, right? Yeah, there. it's like the it's like Hollywood in the twenties, I yeah. believe. Tobey Maguire, Margot Robbie, Olivia Wilde, Samara Look Weaving. At this. That is that's pretty big. Eric yeah. Roberts, Spike Jones, Gene Smart, Luke Haas. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Garland. This is going to be great. Yeah, there's a lot in here. Yeah. Frederick Kohler. Wait, so this this Wait must minute, is that a, is that Chip from uh is that Chip from from Kate and Alley? I don't know. Could it be? It's got to be. Is it That was my that was my Michael minute. Cole for everybody. Chip. Could it be? Cole, holy shit, is that Chip from Kate and Alley? How far back are we going to have to yeah, scroll yeah, here? Kate and Alley is from like the, the early 80s 70s so where the hell is it all the that really looks like chip from kate and Alley. kate and Alley, it's true it is <laughs> oh, what shit. an eye what a pull wow That's, uh, yeah he was also a uh, mr mom holy shit Wait, i didn't know chip was still impressive he was i guess he's still he's from and he's from queens just like and at shit we're the same age look at that well, wow. so you're you're connecting with Chip here, Frederick. Yeah, Chip. And I'm connecting with Damien Chazelle. Yeah, well. There we go. Well, who's had the better career? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Chip looks like he's doing all right. And he's from, I want to know a part of Queens. Now, now I'm going to go down this rabbit hole when, to find out where, I'm calling him Chip. His name is Frederick Kohler. <laughs> Chip. When does this movie come out? Uh, good. You, you, okay, you look up Frederick Kohler. I'm going to look you, up Frederick Kohler. You go you down that up. rabbit hole. And I'm going to see. I'll go, go down the it. Babylon rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see where we are. Okay. Yeah, so, so he's an American actor, best known for the <laughs> Is Chip <laughs> and he was on Oz. That's right, he was on Oz. And I now feel. he's in a Damien Chazelle film, yeah. which comes out on Christmas Day. Uh, Christmas Day, all right. Which yep. is this this Christmas? Yep. So that um, oh, obviously great. an Oscar film. Doesn't say what part. Oh, Jackson Heights. He's from Jackson Heights. Okay, there you go. Look at that. So we just found out all the information that we wanted. We, you and I, went through a lot together. Yep. We, oh, we, and I have this for you because I posted this today before we um before we went on. I did my list on Rocky movies. You a big Rocky guy? Love. All right, here's love my Rocky. list, and I want to tell you. you Ooh, okay. I got now one and two usually always switch for me, but today when I made this list, it landed at Rocky two is number one. Rocky is two. Rocky three, then I have Creed, then Rocky Balboa, Rocky four. The director's cut and the regular cut land in the sixth spot. Creed two at seven, and then Rocky five. All right, so I definitely agree. Rocky five is yeah, yeah. the worst. Yeah, I but, love Rocky four. The director's cut? Did you watch the director's cut? No. Oh, okay. You know that Stallone put out this whole director's cut this year, or last year. Did you not see it? No. Oh, dude. How I'm much you missed different it. is it? Completely different. Really? Completely. So you're, you're a guy, you like watching those docs. Mm-hmm. He did an hour-long documentary on him changing it and everything. You can find it on YouTube. It's on, his, it's on the Stallone channel. Watch that first. Okay. And then he goes in. He, did, he does a, he, it's a, it's a more, it's more of a drama, way more of a drama, um, there's, you can see why he made a lot of choices. There's some stuff that he did that I didn't like at all. It felt, it feels a little spiteful because Bridget Nielsen is essentially cut out of the entire movie. <laughs> like his ex-wife is cut out of the movie completely. She's like, she like nods a few times, but like she has no lines anymore. Like maybe one or two. Um, Ra- uh, Drago's a little bit more human in it than. And you are loose. Yeah, he's, he's, he, there's more stuff that he okay. that he says. So. So there must have been a lot of stuff that was a lot that didn't get cut or didn't make it in the film. Yeah, well, remember the movie the the original theatrical cut is like a, an hour and twenty six minutes. Huh. Um, this one is still sh- is still like one thirty five, one forty. But he put it's weird. He put in so much that wasn't in it, but cut a lot of stuff that was, and it's still around the same almost the same time length. I think he could have made a two hour movie. You know Rocky Four pretty well. 
Yep. So you know the funeral scene that is like basically after Apollo, it's like in there from mm-hmm. little, it's it's more detailed. You have the speech, which works. There's a lot of it's, stuff that works. I should. You know, that's a big moment. You should watch. You I should. Will. And you know, and there's also that scene that I always wanted to see as a kid when he meets with the boxing commission. You see it in like a newspaper clipping in Rocky Four, but they have that whole scene in the movie. Oh, great! Yeah. Why did they cut all this out of the original? Uh, he explains it. Like, he explains why because I mean, it was the time of '85, the way that it was like more of like a music video. Which he goes through this whole thing in a documentary where he talks about how he wanted to make it less of a music video, but the entire Southpaw scene with the in the car with no easy way out, it's still all in there. Instead, and the it, training and the mountains. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It's you should really watch it. It's on. You can I, find I, it everywhere. I will do that this weekend. Yeah, Apple Podcast. I mean, Apple is on, has it anywhere. You can find it anywhere. Um, but I still think that Rocky for the theatrical cut, and I put it in the same rank, so that's why I have it at six. What's your so? Where, where would you, where would you go then? Here's, here's your why Rocky two over Rocky. So Rocky two to me, I just watched. I watched Rocky one through four with my daughter recently. I just love the struggle of Rocky even more so in the second movie, where he has like a little. We've all been there. He gets a little taste of success mm-hmm. and doesn't use it the right way. He just he's just so happy to have money. He thinks he thinks it's going to be okay. And things just go wrong for him to where he's got to lean back and he's it's. I don't know. It's just more of really the essence of who the character is, and then he wins. Yeah. And and I love the I love the Bill Conti score even more so in the second one. I even though the fight in the first fight it was a little bit more even. Rocky's getting his ass kicked the majority of this thing, but he continues to go. Um, and is the classic, Yo Adrian, I did it. Everyone that's another Mandela thing. Everyone thinks that comes from the first movie, mm-hmm. and it's it's from the second one. Um, and I think the relationship with him and, and him and Mick are really good. I. Yeah, I usually, a lot of times I'll have Rocky one right there and then two back and forth. Sometimes three hits the f- number yeah, one I spot. Don't th- yeah, I don't think you can argue with those three. Yeah, they rotate. In any order. Yeah, they rotate. I, I just think that the boxing choreography in the newer films has gotten so much better. I think better in Creed than... Like, Creed. In Creed, so good. Like, yeah. realistic. I, yeah, I liked Creed's... I liked Creed's boxing better than Creed's two, Creed Two. I didn't like the realist how realistic they try to go with Rocky Balboa, like taking the whole HBO yeah. angle of it and the whole like yeah the the like it was shot like using TV cameras. It was, yeah, um, which was interesting. I understand why they did it, and I also thought the I actually really liked that movie a lot. They the monologue in Rocky Balboa is great. It's better than any monologue in any of these. The eight one films. where he's with his son on yeah. the corner. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, not bad. How would you hit? Yeah. Keep it's about forward. how many times you can get hit. Keep moving hey, forward. Keep moving forward. <laughs> it's the best. And and the and the I thing Milo was miscast in that movie. Yeah, I mean maybe, but I but, just thought like especially in that scene, if you yeah. watch just that scene, he's like a. I just feel like he's reading lines. Yeah, and Stallone is like is the character. Yeah, he didn't he didn't hit the same like you watch him now and like this is us and Great. he hits his stride. Yeah. I don't think he had hit his stride at that point. He was still kind of coming off heroes and like, all that you stuff. You know how too. hard it is to be your kid? Yeah he's trying to figure out. You know how out. hard that is? I, I understand that. Um, I remember when I could hold you in my head. <laughs> it's it's a great scene. And it's funny because Rocky Balboa and Rocky Five have like a reverse for me where Rocky Balboa is a movie where the entire movie 
is very solid, goes back to the roots the way that Rocky V was trying to and fails miserably. Rocky V did not need to be made. It didn't need to be made, but the way, and I'll tell you in a second my opinion how I think you could have saved that movie, but, but Rocky Balboa is everything that they wanted to do because in Rocky V, what I couldn't stand was he goes back to the neighborhood and we, we kind of, and on the Collider Live, we made a, it's like a very well-known joke that we had is the guy is like one of the most renowned boxers of all time. And no one offers him a deal. No one gives this guy a fucking commercial. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. It's like the ultimate. He's, and he's going back to no one. He wouldn't be living in poverty. I mean, Tyson lost all his millions. He was living in poverty. Yeah. Like that wouldn't have happened at yeah. all. And he goes, and he just certainly, and then he goes right back to being super dumb again. It was, it was ridiculous. But Rocky Balboa transitioned to that very nicely. And when he walks in with his son, and people are running up to him going, hey, champ, can I have you? Yeah. No one's doing that in five. They're treating yeah. him exactly like he always was, and it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And Stallone knows that it's a terrible movie. But the, the ending of Rocky Balboa, I think if they would have shot it the way they used to in the, like, the old school fights, the way that they did it that way, and Rocky V would have ended with Tommy Morrison and Balboa in the ring, mm. better movie. Mm-hmm. Not, maybe not 100% better, but better. You, sh- you should like go direct a better film. I feel like uh, and, and Rocky Balboa yeah. of Rocky Five. Yeah. I would like to take if I could deep fake. If I could deep fake a movie, I would do. I would do Rocky. Five. We're not far away from that. I no. don't feel like no, not at all. What what's your so what what do you got? I would move. I would move Rocky Four a little higher. Okay, but over what though? Rocky Balboa. That's the thing. Would you go? Yeah. yeah so you probably I would definitely flip those. It's a great list. Rocky Five deserves to be at the bottom. Creed yeah. Two. I think also is down there. Yeah, and I like Creed yeah. 2, but it's just not better than those other movies. That's that's what I... I love Creed 2. Yeah. You're right. It's just not better than those other films. Now, where will Creed 3? Mm. That's, that's, that's the question. Where will Creed 3 land? Have you interviewed Michael B. Jordan? I have. So Isn't he, isn't he great? It's great. And I did. And it was for Creed. Oh, and, yeah. And I didn't get... I would love to do an hour long with him. I did a junkin interview with him. <laughs> yeah, but same. I did this whole thing when I was with Fandango. And I, and I said I wanted to do a, uh, a stare-off with him. So I put on my Yankees, like, uh, skull cap, and I went face-to-face with him. And I'm like, two seconds, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was great. But, um, but look, man, this was, uh, this was fun. we got to do this again. Yeah, thank you, you so much for having again. me come by. Yeah, are you going to be – so here's the question on the table for the Schmodown fans. Are we going to see you back in the Schmodown or what? In studio? What's the deal? I don't know. Uh-oh, you scared? I Doug think I need, out there. I need redemption. You need redemption. Because my first and only match – I mean, we, we went deep. Sudden death. Deep into overtime. Yeah. Deep into sudden death. I felt like I could have pulled it out. And you got to come back more now because there's more of the, this is more like what you know. This is the, this is the wrestling side of it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. You might, you might have to. You, I think uh, never say never, never is say what never. I will say. Honorary action member with, with uh, you should see what Bateman and Guy just did recently. But um, Chris Van Lee, make sure you check him out and go to his YouTube channel and, and follow him on TikTok, especially if you're a wrestling fan. There's no reason. A, you probably already are following him. But if you're not, you should. He gets great interviews on his channel. The clip outs, you got two channels, right? You got the yep. main channel that has all the long and form. CVV clips. And then you have CVV clips. Uh, and then you can, and what about uh, TikTok? What's, what's the, it's just, just my name, Chris Van Vliet. Pretty yeah. easy guys. So make sure you check it out and let him know that you found us from the big thing. Um, and that's it. Make sure that you go into the link in the description and get yourself some athletic greens. Me undies helps out the show. And it also helps out the show. If you leave a comment, Click like, do all that. Going to be doing a lot of um, pre-tapes this week, but doing a lot of question-based shows. So for Chris VanVleet and for me, Christian Arloff, that's the show. I'm going to give you some kind of a logo. What oh, the logo oh. is? Uh, no, it's, it's just a rewatch logo. Is that it? No, oh, there we no, go. Like, no, that's not it. There we go. Hey. <laughs>